Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. The Sunday get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mac coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket Can. All right, uh, biggest thing that came down in the NBA this week, sorry, not last night's three-point shooting contest or slam dunk or any of the other uh, faux uh, gatherings they had at the All-Star game, and I don't know about tonight's All-Star game either. No, much bigger was during the week when the NBA trade deadline hit, and the biggest trade at the deadline came down between the 76ers and the Nets with James Harden heading to Philadelphia and Ben Simmons plus going to Brooklyn. A lot to unpack here. So we're going to get uh, both net and sixer looks at this. And I got two good guys to talk about it. Philly first. My buddy from phillyvoice.com does an outstanding job covering the sixes on a day-in, day-out basis. Their beat writer, Kyle Newbeck, joins me here on CBS Sports Radio. They're keeping you busy this week, huh, Mr. Newbeck? Uh, you know, it's a good busy. I don't, I'm no longer writing about trade rumors. We're talking about the actual <laughs> trade that happened and looking at the the future ahead. So that's stuff that I, I look forward to rather than writing the same trade rumor stuff over and over again. <laughs> All right. I had you on my show after the trade came down, so I know some of your thoughts on it. But uh, I haven't talked to you since James Harden got his first chance to meet the media and uh, was uh, asked questions by you guys, did an outstanding job yourself and all your cohort uh, beat guys on the uh, Sixer beat. Was there anything that James Harden said that either surprised you or excited you or left you needing to know more? So, you know, I, I think there's still the, I'm not worried with James Harden in the honeymoon period, right, Jody? Like we've seen when he joined Brooklyn last year, he was incredible until he got hurt last year. And obviously he had a great run in Houston, but I guess I don't know why I should believe that James Harden long-term is just going to be Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky, great teammate, all this stuff. And that was not really answered during the initial presser. But part of that is because, you know, nobody's going to hound the guy his first day he gets into town and say, right. hey, so why'd you screw it up elsewhere? Why, why is this a pattern <laughs> at this point? So that is one of those unanswered things. That, or it's only time will tell anyway. But aside from that, I thought it was interesting that James came out and said, and, you know, whether you believe this or not, I suppose it's up to you, that, Philadelphia was always his number one choice, but there were reasons that that didn't happen the first time around that he didn't necessarily have anything to do with. And, you know, if he ends up living up to that and he buys in and he wants to be this co-star next to Joel Embiid, they have a real chance to 
win a title here in the next couple of years. Yeah, I'm not sure I believe that because it was pretty well reported that he wanted to go to either Brooklyn or Philadelphia, and they were always reported in that order. So I think he wanted to come to Philly. I just don't know if I would say I believe the number one choice was Philadelphia, but it doesn't matter. He tried Brooklyn, didn't work. Now he's in Philly, and we go from there. Uh, Daryl Morey, give him credit, stuck to his guns. From the time it became obvious he had to try and trade Ben Simmons because Simmons was not going to play or participate or ever put a Sixer uniform on again, he said he needed a superstar in return. He didn't want to do a package deal where the Sixers got two, three, four, five, depending on draft picks and like items. He wanted a star for a star. He got a better star than the one he gave up. That's why he needed to add more. I know you and I talk plenty uh, about all those trade rumors leading up to the deal actually happened, and neither one of us was on the positive side of it happening. I uh, thought more likely not than it would. What do you think eventually got the deal done? I think it was urgency on both sides. I think it became clear in the week leading up to Harden's departure that that Brooklyn situation was going to be untenable. Now, I, I know the Nets until pretty late in the process were trying to convince themselves and perhaps James Harden that, look, winning will cure everything. We're going to get Kevin Durant back at some point, yada, yada, yada. And then if that happens and everybody's on the floor, then they have a chance to win a title and maybe future titles as well. And that would have been enough to to keep James happy and around. But I, I think the later it got, the closer it got to the deadline, the clearer it was that that was just not a realistic path forward, that James had drawn his line in the sand. And then obviously on Philadelphia side, Jody, as you laid out, they, they paid up more because they were getting a better player. And this was you know, the opportunity that Daryl Morey said he was waiting for all this time, you can't say that for months and months and months. We want an impact guy, and the impact guy on the table is the guy that you wanted in the first place that sort of started this whole snowball effect with Ben Simmons and then turned that down. So I, I just think there was a lot of urgency on both sides of this equation and ended up in a trade that I think this is a true win-win for both teams. I think both teams are ultimately going to benefit out of this. All right, the end-all package was uh, Harden and Paul Millsap. I'll ask you about Millsap in a second. For Ben Simmons, Curry, Drummond, draft picks, can't deal with. Those are down the line. Of the two players that have not only already made it to Brooklyn, already stepped in and played for the Nets, which one of the uh, six is going to miss more? I think it's Seth Curry, but I don't want to discount what Andre Drummond did for this team this year. I think, you know, the... The defense on the bench, the rebounding, especially on the bench with how bad their rebounding has been as a team this year, uh, are two things that you can't take lightly having lost. But I do think a shooter of Seth Curry's caliber on a team built around Joel Embiid and James Harden is always going to have a a ton of value. Now, I I do think that Seth's value here in Philadelphia would have taken a hit if he stayed around just because you know, James Harden would be doing most, if not all, of the on-ball stuff from the perimeter, him and Tyrese Maxey, certainly. And that took away from some of Seth Curry's utility that made him such a valuable guy here. But, you know, he's one of the best shooters in the entire league. So a team that desperately needs as much shooting as it can get, losing a shooter like that, I, I think that's something you can never discount. 
already stepped in and shot the ball effectively for the Nets because those two guys have already played. I know you had a chance to go into practice for your limited time the other day and see James Harden putting up some shots. It surely wasn't a practice or shoot around more than anything else. Uh, and you guys noted, you did, and others noted, he looked okay, looked like he was moving just fine. And then we found out he wasn't going to be playing in either of the two games before the uh, All-Star break. Give me your read on that. Were they being overly protected? Did you think, all right, well, he can shoot. Doesn't mean he can play in a game. Uh, did they want to justify the fact that he was out for those last couple of games with the Nets? Oh, yeah, he was really hurt. Why didn't James Harden play in, in either of the last two Sixer games? I, If you're asking me, I think it's more of an abundance of caution than it is anything else, Jody. Like, it'd be one thing if they had him in there doing some very basic conditioning work, but James is going through a pretty, you know, intense post-practice workout. And from what the team said to us, they did not say he had any big limitations of what he was doing when they had their uh, normal practices. And they've claimed they're having more intense shoot-arounds now that they got to integrate this big piece. So, you know, I don't think a guy who has a, a serious hamstring issue is going to be doing step-back jumper after step-back jumper. That's a lot of planning and moving and exploding off of that leg. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think ultimately this is about James just getting 100% right and, and using this as a ramp-up period so that when they come out of this break and they play, I believe it's Minnesota in the first game back, that he is just ready to fire on all cylinders. Now, speaking of those two games, couldn't be more diametrically opposite. They're at home <laughs> taking on the Celtics. Only got beat by 48 points. At one time, it was 51 and ended up as a 48-point loss. Stone Cold embarrassing for everyone who was involved. Even James Harden sitting there on the bench had to be a little embarrassed. And then they followed that up by going to Milwaukee, beating the defending champions in the league on their own floor. Talk about yin and yang, one end to the other. How do you explain something like that? Well, you know, that's just the week before the All-Star break is always good versus some absolutely loony results. I think that's some of it. Uh, I think the Boston game, you certainly have to give a lot of credit to the Celtics, who haven't just played well recently, but came in and absolutely shot the heck out of the ball. So even if the Sixers had played better and put, put forth a better effort in that game on Tuesday night, I just think the Celtics were going to win in 99 out of 100 games where they shoot like that. So you tip your cap to them. You say, hey, the Sixers' effort wasn't good enough. They didn't shoot the ball well enough, et cetera, et cetera. And then Thursday, I think because of that loss, you know, the Sixers probably could have packed it in and said, hey, this is uh, the last game before the All-Star break, but they had a little extra motivation. It's Embiid versus Giannis. It's the, one of the teams that they're trying to compare themselves against now that they think they have a real title shot. And I, I'll say this, you and I have talked about Doc Rivers a lot this year, Jody. I mm -hmm. think Doc had a really inspired game then. And I think his game plan to defend Giannis was a very good one. I think he was quick with adjustments that needed to be made in that game. And they treated that more like a playoff game from that perspective than a lot of the games they played this season. So I think it was a combination of a lot of factors, but yeah, it's not often that you'll see a team 
lose by almost 50 to a division rival and then beat the defending champions on their home floor two days later. It just almost defies explanation. Uh, but I asked you to try anyway. Kyle Dubeck from phillyboys.com talking about the James Harden-Ben Simmons trade with us. All right. Um, I know I asked you this the other night, so I'm going to ask you to repeat for our national audience. You mentioned Doc Rivers. That is my big question with this. Doc Rivers is going to have to figure out. He did a great job coaching the other night against Milwaukee. Don't want to shortchange that. Give Doc credit. But now the real work begins because he's got to incorporate James Harden into the lineup, which is going to change things, play a little different brand of ball. Certainly the rotations are going to change. Maxie goes from point guard to off the ball. Who's going to be the backup point guard on this team? Is it going to be Maxi? Will they stagger those two guys? One's got to be on the floor at the same time. Are they still going to go with a Furkan Korkmaz as their backup point guard? The rotation is something that I don't know. I you you know Doc. I know Doc. We watch him coach all the time, and we can pretty much tell what he's going to do. I don't know how the addition of Harden is going to change things. Do you know his rotation going forward? So. Obviously, this could change, and this could just be Doc saying what he thinks he should say in the press and then doing whatever he feels like doing when push comes to shove. But my impression has been that he is going to keep pairs on the floor at at any given time between Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, and James Harden. So to me, you basically have two choices within that group. Either you're going to try to keep Embiid and Harden together and anchored together to facilitate their chemistry, or you're going to split them up when you go to the bench so that the lineups are Embiid maxi at any given time so that, you know, they obviously already have their chemistry. Tyrese can run the second unit as James and Tobias and other guys get a rest. And then once Joel and Tyrese Maxey get their break, then it's James Harden running the second unit. Tobias Harris is his number two, and they spread the floor, and James just pick and rolls people to death. Uh, I tend to lead towards that one where both Joel and James kind of get their own units within a game. They still get plenty of time together on the floor to work off of one another. But I tend to think, and you know, we'll see if Doc ends up going this way because we do know he likes some all-bench lineups. I do think that staggering now becomes – a huge part of this team's plan, and I think it'll ultimately end up being a combination of James Harden and Tyrese Maxey sort of running second unit. I hope that's the case because uh, that's one thing that I knock Doc on, the all-bench unit. Sometimes it works. When it doesn't, it looks real bad. He always gets called on the carpet for it. If it goes away, it won't bother me a little bit. All right, buyout market has already kicked in. Uh, we've seen Goran Dragic become available but hasn't landed yet. You know, he's a guy I think would be a perfect fit with the Sixers. Some talk about how they replaced Drummond. Oh, by the way, Millsap played pretty well as a small big uh, the other night against the Bucks. Um Are the Sixers going to get involved? They're in the same position as a lot of other teams. Money doesn't matter, so it's kind of a sales job. What, if anything, do you think they can do in the next week to 10 days in the buyout market? So uh, my expectation, based on some things Daryl Morey has already said, and just kind of trying to take stock of what I think Doc would actually make use of, is they probably get a, a true backup center, like a vet backup center. Daryl Morey has hinted at this uh, during some recent media appearances, so I'm just going to have to take him at his word on that one. I just I think here's 
my thought process, Jody. I think when you lose someone like Andre Drummond, and obviously last year they had Dwight Howard, it's clear that Doc wants a, a big body, rim protecting type to be able to spell Joel Embiid when it counts. Like all due respect to our guy, Paul Reed, all due respect to Paul Millsap and you know, his ability to play small ball center at times. I just think Doc is going to want somebody that is a, a trustworthy veteran type defender with some size that they're not going to get bullied. They'll be able to protect the rim behind their, you know, sort of uh, iffy perimeter defenders, we'll call them. I, so that's just where I see them going. I'm not sure who that's going to be yet. I feel like there's been very little movement in terms of active buyout so far. There's obviously some time before the deadline in March, but uh, yeah, I think that's where they might go with it. I personally would try to get some kind of three and D wing defender type to add some athleticism on the wing. But I think those guys are generally harder to find around the, uh, the buyout market. So you're going three and D you think the Sixers are going big and I'm saying, please give me draw it. Dragic. I think he'd be a perfect guy to put into the backcourt rotation. Then you can do whatever the hell you want with Maxie and Harden playing together or not together. I don't know if he's coming here. We've already seen him linked to like six or seven different teams and Philadelphia hasn't been one of them. I'm not sure why not, but he is the guy I'm hoping for. We'll see if it shakes out. All right, last question. And you just gave us a great answer about how Doc's going to use his rotation to who's going to be on the floor, not on the floor. Well, key minutes late in the game, uh, key minutes throughout an entire game, Harden and Embiid are going to be on the floor together. I've seen many an opinion on how their two games will or won't mesh. What's your opinion on that? I think it's going to be a, a work in progress, Jody, but I, I, I think there's enough connective tissue between those two guys that they can make it work. Like I, I think Joel is certainly not a Clint Capella guy who's going to go out there and be a lob target on pick and rolls. James Harden is not the dude who's just going to stand there while Joel posts up and, you know, cut off the ball and, and help him out in that way. But I think both of these guys understand now that, you know, the excuses are off the table. They're with James is with a, an MVP candidate and guy who's going to really help him on the defensive end where he needs the most help. And Joel knows like, Hey, look, I've been waiting for, the true co-star now he's here and to Joel's credit you know I, I think when Jimmy Butler was here and they had a, a guy who was a good pick and roll player Joel showed that he was willing to alter the way he played especially in the playoffs so that they could try to win I think Joel's message this year has been less about you know the MVP race and individual accolades and more like I want to win I want that to be my legacy I want to win in this city and do whatever it takes to do so so you know, obviously talk is cheap and what they do on the floor is what's ultimately going to matter. But I tend to fall on the side, Jody, that these guys are so talented and just so intelligent on top of that, that they're going to find a way to make it work. And oh, by the way, yeah, get used to staying at the arena because Embiid is the number one foul drawer in the league and Harden <laughs> is uh, number four. So you're going to be sent to a lot of foul shots, hopefully made foul shots. They both shoot over 80 percent. So there you go. All right, I lied. I got one more question for you. Complete and speculation on your point. That's what we need. March 10th, Nets at Sixers. Ben Simmons in the lineup, in the building or parts unknown. I can't see him playing in that game. But I would say this, Jody. I think if he comes back into the lineup by then, he almost has to play. 
because if he comes back, let's say at, shortly after the uh, the All Star break is over, and then all of a sudden, right before the Sixers Nets game, it says he has back tightness or there's some kind of issue. That is not going to go over well anywhere, let alone in a city like New York, where they're going to be like, hey, listen, we're not buying that. And if you're going to be all in for this team, they need to be able to count on you regardless of whether you're going into a hostile environment or not. So I think if he comes back before March 10th and doesn't play in that game, that is going to open a whole new can of worms for this guy that, that he doesn't want. So, you know, if I'm giving Ben Simmons personal advice, just go out there, absorb the booze. It's one game, and move on, and that's it. That's all you got to do. That's just take care of business and, and move forward with your life. Good advice. My speculation is he'll do exactly what you said he shouldn't do, which is he'll be back in the lineup before the net game. But, yes, a miraculous injury will occur, will crop up just before that game that night. And then if the Nets and the Sixers don't play in the playoffs, you got an entire year to deal with it. But if they do play in the playoffs, man, that first playoff game will be <laughs> something. Uh, and Kyle Newbeck will be courtside watching it for Philly Voice. I'll get him on to talk about it on my Philly show, and every once in a while we'll punch him up here on CBS Sports Radio. Newbie, good stuff as always. Thanks, bud. We'll talk. Good talking to you, Jody. Kyle Newbeck does an outstanding job. If you're a Sixer fan and you don't read him on phillyvoice.com, you are absolutely missing out. All right, Jody Mack, don't want to miss out on any of your calls. We'll come back and restoke the lines. 855-212-4227. Get you up live here on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 